rather than being performed by a third-party contractor of your choosing, this PSA is performed by a third-party vendor selected by the lender. So you'll have two PSAs, and ideally you will compare and contrast the results of these two PSAs. For example, maybe the lender caught something that your inspector didn't, or vice versa. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities in order to qualify the sponsor in order to qualify the market that the property is in then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com my team and i created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask the things to think through prior to investing in deals so go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com it's a free resource for you that was made just for you there needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail and we thought hey why not make it free too that's why we launched syndication school and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the apartment syndication school, Go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best of the Listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndications. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes every Wednesday and Thursday that are part of a larger podcast series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of the series, we offer some sort of document, spreadsheet, or resource for you to download for free. All of these free documents, as well as free Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is part two of what will likely be a four or six part series entitled How to Perform Due Diligence on an Apartment Syndication Deal. Now, if you haven't done so already... You'll need to catch up to get to this point because this is the process that you perform after you put a deal under contract. And in order to put a deal under contract, you need to underwrite the deal. In order to underwrite a deal, you need to find it. And there's also additional foundation you need to create to find a deal in the first place. So if you haven't done so already, I highly recommend starting from series number one and working your way through these syndication school podcast episodes. But if you have a deal under contract... The three things you do is one, secure financing, two, perform due diligence, and three, secure investor commitments. So in the previous series, we discussed number one, which is secure financing, and right now we are continuing our discussion on how to perform due diligence. Now, in part one of this series, we talked about the first five reports. Those are the financial document audit, which is essentially an audit of the owner's historical income and expenses, as well as the bank statements and the rent rolls. Two is the internal property condition assessment, which is essentially an assessment of the exteriors of the property to determine 
the priority of repairs, so things that need to be repaired immediately, things that don't necessarily need to be repaired now but are recommended, and then any ongoing future repairs, as well as the estimated costs of those repairs. And that is performed internally, whereas the one we're going to talk about today is one that's performed by the lender. And then three, four, and five are usually combined into one report, and that is the market survey report, which is a detailed rent comp analysis performed by our management company. A lease audit report, which is the auditing of all of the leases and comparing the terms of the lease to the actual rent roll provided. And then five is the unit walk report, which is essentially the property condition assessment of the interiors of the units. So we talked about what each of those reports are. We actually walked through an example of a report that we received for a deal that we did. We also discussed how to obtain each of those reports and approximately how much those reports will cost. Today, we're going to do the exact same thing, but for the reports 6 through 10. And then as I mentioned yesterday, or if you're listening to this in the future, in part 1, next week we're going to go through all 10 of these reports again. And this time we're going to talk about how you should review these reports once they've been received, what to look for, and what adjustments need to be made based off of the results of these reports. I know we're going to talk about this next week, but reports 1 through 5, the results of these reports will have you either confirm or adjust your assumptions, whereas these next reports, if the results of these reports are bad, then you might not even be able to do the deal. So these are deal-breaker reports. Most of them are. The last one isn't. But 6 through 9 could potentially be deal-breaker reports. So really quickly, the next five reports we're going to discuss are number six, the site survey, number seven, the property condition assessment, number eight, the environmental site assessment, number nine, the appraisal, and number 10, the green report. So number six, the site survey. The site survey is going to be a map of the apartment community and its grounds that indicates the boundaries of the community as well as the lot size. And then included in this report will likely be a written description of the community. The site survey needs to be performed by a third-party vendor that specializes in site surveys. So like any other third party, you can either find them via Google, or you can get a referral from your consultant, your mentor, your private management company, a local owner, meetup group, really anywhere or from anyone who has bought an apartment community before, because if they did, they had to get a site survey performed. We recommend getting a few bids, just because the approximate cost of a site survey will be around six grand. So if you can find one for cheaper than that, and they actually get the job done, then by all means, take that cost savings. So when you're looking at an actual site survey, it's going to be essentially a black and white map of the property. So right in the middle, you're going to have a 2D drawing with the outside being the actual boundaries of the lot. And then somewhere around there, it'll say exactly what the lot size is. So for example, for this property, the lot size is 8.29 acres. It'll have any streets that are on the boundaries that are surrounding the property. So in this case, it's right on an intersection. And then on the actual map within the boundaries, it will show you exactly where all the buildings are and the actual sizes of those buildings the actual type of the building. So for example, right here it says two-story brick and frame, 3,600 square feet, height 26 feet. And then it's got actual dimensions of the right-hand side, the left side, the back, the front, any patios or doorways, what's the length and width of those. So it does that for every single building. 
you also see the actual parking spots and the number of parking spots. So for example, it says here's 14 covered spaces, here's six covered spaces, here's just seven regular spaces. You'll also see any type of amenity that's there. So for this property, there's a pool, there's a playground. Again, this map is very detailed. They also go into where the electrical lines are running, where the water lines are running. It talks about any sidewalks. It's got actual coordinates. It'll tell you essentially what's surrounding the property. So if it's a road, it'll be a road. If it's another apartment, it'll tell you another apartment's out there. Um, so it goes into a lot of detail. And then on the left-hand side or somewhere on there, there'll be a legend that explains what the abbreviations mean. So for example, AE means an aerial easement. There's a W with a circle around it, which means a water well. There's a C with a box around it that means a cable box. So you'll likely have to zoom in if you want to actually read this entire document because it's so detailed, the fonts are really small. And at the bottom, there's going to be some notes on the actual map. So right here it says, okay, here's how many parking spots there are. There's 69 regular parking spots. There's 222 covered parking spots. There's five handicapped parking spots. Then there's some overall notes. For example, surveyor did not abstract property survey based on legal description supplied by title company. Survey as shown in legal description as per and on the ground survey. Easements, building lines, etc. shown are identified by GF number blah 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 of Chicago Title Insurance Company. They'll also have any flood notes. So for example, this property is in a flood zone X. And then it says when the date when that classification was determined. It's also a legal description, so for example, beginning at a 5 8 inch capped iron rod, stamped South Texas surveying, set the northeast corner of said lot 1, block number, blah, blah, blah. So it's basically saying how they actually did the survey. And then there's something called a schedule of B items, which is just more explanation of how they performed the survey. And then there's the surveyor's certification, just saying, that, hey, I'm a certified surveyor. So that is number 6, the site survey. Number seven is the property condition assessment. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I've already explained what the property condition assessment is when we talked about the internal PSA in part one. Only difference here is that rather than being performed by a third-party contractor of your choosing, this PSA is performed by a third-party vendor selected by the lender. So you'll have two PSAs. And ideally, you will compare and contrast the results of these two PSAs. For example, maybe the lender caught something that your inspector didn't, or vice versa. Expect to pay around two grand for this PCA. And again, the PCA is an inspection of the exteriors of the properties, and it gives you the overall condition of the different exterior items, any recommended repairs that are prioritized based off of immediate, recommended, and future and then also the approximate cost to fix those. So this PSA from this lender is actually 136 pages long, so even longer than the internal one. And this one, essentially, again, as I mentioned, they're all going to be different based off of who's performing it. And this one, just looking at the summary section, it kind of goes through the actual description of the property first. It says who did the assessment, so you have their contact information. And then this one actually has a summary of all historical repairs and replacements from 2013-2016. So any repair that was made over the past three years, in this case, four years, were logged here. And then it kind of just goes through the overall results of the actual report. 
So they have a property useful life table where they go through all the different site components and says, here's the average life and here's how old it actually is. A summary of recommended repairs and replacement cost estimates. So for this one right here, it says immediate repairs, life safety items, may impact health or safety, cost $2,250. And then there's a reference for how they determine that later on in the actual document. They got a summary of known problematic building materials. So for example, fire retardant treated plywood, identified no, action recommended. So for this building, all these are actually no. Then it goes into the actual meat of the document, which is essentially all the raw data that they use in order to create that summary. Number eight is going to be the environmental site assessment. So the environmental site assessment is an inspection that identifies potential or existing environmental contamination liabilities at the property. It looks at the underlying land as well as the physical improvements to the property, so the actual building. And then the report will offer conclusions or recommendations for further investigations if an issue is found. Similar to the PSCA, this report is created by a third-party vendor selected by the lender, and the approximate cost is about $2,500. Now this environmental site assessment, this ESA, is actually 648 pages long. So they do not mess around with these. So obviously it starts off with the executive summary where it goes through all the different things that they looked at and then they'll have their findings. So anything that they believe needs to be done, anything that's fine, the historicals, very, very, very detailed. And then it ends with their conclusions and opinions and recommendations. So for example, in this one, they identify any RECs which are the recognized environmental conditions. So no further action is needed. Next, number nine is the appraisal. And most people know what an appraisal is. It determines the as-is value of the apartment community. So a certified appraiser will inspect the property and then calculate the as-is value of the apartment community using the three appraisal methods which are the sales comparison approach, where they compare the subject property to similar properties that were recently sold, the income capitalization approach, which is using the net operating income and the market capitalization rate. So that's the net operating income divided by the market cap rate in order to determine the as-is value. And then the cost approach, which is the cost to replace or rebuild the property. The appraisal report is created, as I mentioned, by a certified appraiser who is selected by the lender, and the approximate cost will be about $5,000. Like most documents created by the lender, they're pretty long. This one right here is actually 166 pages, and at the beginning it's got just like a summary tab saying, hey, this is the property, this is the size of the property, here's the occupancy of the property, the property's under contract for this price, the as-is price is this, so for this example, the contract price was $13.3 million. The as-is was $13.7 million. So there was a slight kind of free equity of $500,000 straight at the purchase. I guess that's $400,000 at purchase. And then it says, as the date of the inspection, the property was operating slightly below a stabilized occupancy level at 89.3%. But the rent roll that was provided said the occupancy was 92.3%. 
So they're saying that we would only need to add a few tenants in order to reset stabilized occupancy. So they haven't made any adjustments based off of that. So they assumed that the occupancy was 92.3% with their appraisal. So like all of these reports, it starts off with a summary tab and then provides some pictures of the property. Then talks about any assumptions or limiting conditions that were made. And then it goes into the meat of it, which is analysis of the metropolitan area as well as the apartment market and the smaller market in the neighborhood that the property is in, to the site analysis, a zoning analysis, an improvement analysis. It does a highest and best use analysis, a real estate tax analysis, and then it talks about their appraisal process, and then they go into how they did the sales comparison approach, the income stabilization approach, and then the insurable value, which is another word for the replacement approach. And then any final value conclusions that they have for the actual deal. Lastly, number 10 is the green report. So the green report is not really required, it's more optional, but it evaluates any potential energy saving or water conservation measures for the apartment community. So is there any way to essentially save money overall by installing something that decreases ongoing utility expenses? So the report's gonna include a list of all measures that were found, so any recommended changes that were found, along with the associated cost savings and the initial investment amount to actually implement that measure. This report is created by a third-party vendor, also selected by the lender, and the approximate cost is about $3,500. So if you plan on implementing the RUBS, the Ratio Utility Billing System or Service Program, which essentially evaluates the usage of utilities and then reports the amount that you can bill back to your residents. You want to consult with a Rubes company in your local market to obtain a few quotes. So that'll kind of technically be like an 11th report if you want to do the Rubes program. But look, take a look at the green program. What's interesting, because as I mentioned, obviously they'll have the summary of all the information, all the raw data below. And the summary will have all the different energy and water conservation measures that they found. We'll talk about the location of the measure installation. So typically it's either in the common unit or the tenant unit. And then it'll say, okay, here's the estimated annual electric savings for this in whatever the energy measure is. So for here it's kilowatt hours, I believe. And then it says the estimated gas savings in therms. Then it says the estimated total energy savings. I mean, I don't even know what that measure is. K-B-T-U-H. And then it says the estimated total energy savings as a percentage. And the same thing for water as well. So it does it for energy, for electric, for gas, and for water. And then it does the same thing for the tenants. So if you were to implement, for example, windows, dual pane, vinyl frame, then you'll end up saving 4% total energy in the common areas. And then for the residents, they'll end up saving some large kilowatt hour amount. And then it'll have the actual cost associated with each of those as well as the cost saving. So with the windows... The estimated cost to install would be $19,000 for the common areas or would be $425,000 for the tenant units. The actual cost saving to the owner will be $626. The actual savings to the residents will be $13,000. So the payback period for installing windows in the common areas is actually only 31 years. So unless you plan on holding on to the property for 31 years, you probably don't want to do that. But here's a better example. So shower head, low flow shower head in the tenant units. The initial cost will be $16,000 and the estimated cost saving will be $16,000. That's to the actual owner. So the ROI is actually one year. 
There's another one, put a cover over the pool, and this will investment $600, cost saving $409, 1.5 year ROI. So that's really what's most important, you take a look at that data table and you can determine the energy savings, the initial investment, and the cost savings associated with each measure identified. And then below that, it just goes into all the details on how they figured all that out. So that's number 10, and as I mentioned, number 11 could technically be a Rubes report where you find a Rubes contractor who goes through the Rubes program with you and determines how much water is being used or how much other utilities are being used by the residents that you as the owner pay for, and then you can determine how much money you can bill back to the resident. So that covers due diligence reports 6 through 10. So now we've gone through all 10 due diligence reports where I described what the report is, how to obtain the report, how much it costs, and then we walk through an example document. That again, since they were for live deals, I cannot share those. I guarantee you can find some of these documents by just Googling them. But I think I did justice by explaining them. So once you actually see these reports, you'll be able to at least recognize and be semi-familiar with the actual report. Next week, we're going to go over all 10 reports again. And this time, we're going to talk about how to analyze the results. So after listening to this entire, what will likely be a four-part series, you should have all the knowledge you need to perform due diligence on an apartment syndicated deal. In the meantime, if you haven't done so already, go back to yesterday's episode and listen to part one. Also, check out the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and download some of our free documents. All those can be found at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.